Ecclesia is a new church trying to live out the way of Jesus in Princeton, New Jersey. We pray this teaching invites you to love Jesus and people more deeply and to embrace the full life that Jesus offers each one of us. Grace and peace to you. Have you ever had somebody just speak life over you? Calling out something in you that you didn't really know was there, maybe that you hoped was there, but you just weren't sure if the way that you were living and moving in the world was being received in that way by other people. Maybe you had a spouse just say it to you in a really meaningful way or a friend say to you in an incredibly meaningful way that they are with you, that they see you and they know you and that no matter what, you are home and secure with them. Maybe somebody in your line of work, a boss or a, a mentor of sorts that called something out in, in your giftedness, your skill, your, your ingenuity and your hard work. They saw something in you that you didn't even know was there. You see, there are these really important things that we do every day to sustain and maintain relationships. These kind of seemingly mundane but no less important moments where we share life with people. Uh, we do the, the everyday tasks. We accomplish our jobs. But there are also these pivotal moments that go beyond the just mere sustaining of relationships or maintaining our, our jobs or the things that we have to do on our to-do list. These, these moments that shape destinies. These words that, that wash over us, like, and they really function like a lighthouse in a dark and stormy sea. These words call to be what is not yet. These words create worlds. And for the next several weeks, we're going to be focusing on this concept. This concept is, is really a, a longer way of saying that somebody has blessed you. And so we're going to be focused on this notion of blessing. And we're going to see how the scriptures are saturated from the very first page with God's blessings. How we are blessed by God as a people to bless the wider world and what it means for us to be blessed by God. And, and why, why blessing is so powerful. You know, you think throughout the, the course of everyday life, we say bless you just unthinkingly, right? Somebody sneezes. And especially right now in the midst of a pandemic, we are, we are praying that over them. But it's so, it's so thoughtless. But there is a power attached to blessing throughout the scriptures. And we're going to see as we center in on Jesus of Nazareth, how Jesus flips the accepted notions of what it means to be blessed by God. In his day and in his time, he takes those and he turns them completely upside down as he lives and teaches and ultimately gives his life on a cross to, to bless the world, to show, and, and to empower us to be blessed by God. Now, it may seem like a bit of a strange time to teach on blessings. Don't we have more important matters to deal with in the world like white supremacy, political division, a pandemic, mass suffering? Isn't this kind of ignoring what's really going on in the, old, in the world? Well, friends, that's only if we understand blessing as this sort of me-focused transaction where God's going to bless me and that's all I'm concerned about or that's what I'm striving for. It, or it, it's only if we conceive of God's blessings as merely material things. It's interesting in our culture that we have two 
what, what the philosopher Charles Taylor calls cross pressures. We have at least two. These competing narratives that are at odds with one another uh, and compress upon us, kind of like if we're a submarine going deeper and deeper into the water, the pressure builds from every angle. And on the one hand, our culture is a culture of materialism. And by materialism, I mean only we only value things that can be concrete, the only things that are measurable scientifically and quantifiable. We live in what Charles Taylor also calls a disenchanted world. Now, that is one story, this story of materialism. On another hand, you think about the most successful stories in our culture over the past 20 or so years. And stories like Harry Potter, Lord of the Rings, Star Wars, The Avengers, so many of them revolve around this notion of magic and harnessing unseen forces in the midst of the battle between good and evil. If you do a quick survey of the books on Amazon about blessing from a Christian point of view, you get an echo of this. Yes, most of them get quite kooky and really devolve into this kind of new age, magical thinking, kind of the secret, where if you say and think the right things, you can manipulate God to get the things that you want. It kind of sounds like a spell, right? But as we will see throughout this series, and sort of echoing the, the, the moment that we find ourselves in our culture, the blessings of God... The blessings of God are a way of immersing us into this larger struggle between light and darkness. Jesus is inviting us into his way, into his way of blessedness, into his sort of upside down, world changing way. And as we receive the blessings of God, we don't become aloof from the world or somehow see the world selfishly as if it's only about us. As we receive the blessings from God, as we see what it means to truly be blessed by Him, we are immersed in a struggle. And so I think it's a perfect time to talk about blessing because as God blesses us, we are participants in His way in blessing the world. We see that the blessings of God are not self-centered, not focused on giving everything that we want, but that because God's fundamental dis disposition towards us and, and his fundamental disposition towards our world, as Jesus uh, comes to bear witness in John 3.16, that for God so loved the world, he gave his only son. Because this is God's fundamental disposition, when we receive the blessings of God, we become both individually and corporately as a church, as, as both ecclesia and as both the wider church in, uh, in the world, we become who we were called to be. And we participate in the struggle which God's blessing has immersed us in, this struggle that God has won once and for all on the cross as he undoes every curse in our world. So in a moment that is fraught with things like white supremacy and political divisiveness and poverty and a pandemic, the blessings of God are not somehow some extra thing that we need to put on hold. They're the very thing that we need to be striving toward and focusing our hearts upon. And today, 
I want to establish a simple framework for this series that will ground our subsequent teachings. I'm very excited. We're going to have some, some guest preachers from within our community that are going to be sharing with us. So it's going to be a, a really beautiful summer as we begin to explore this concept of the blessings of God. And before we get into this idea of blessing, I think we need a working definition. What exactly is a blessing? The biblical concept of blessing, and this is the definition that we'll come back to throughout this series, is binding your life with the well-being of another through an investment of your words, your gifts, and your relationships. Now, God's blessings manifest themselves in kind of four bucket categories. These are broad designations that kind of help us quantify them. And I even made them all start with the same letter just to make maybe the former Baptists in our midst happy. So I'm feeling pretty proud of myself today. God's blessings manifest themselves in presence, provision, people, and praise. And we will flesh these categories out more in the coming weeks. But today, we want to do a brief biblical survey of this idea of blessings. The concept for today is simple. Blessing is your past, your present, and your promise. Listen, I'm on fire here. That's a lot of peace. Blessing is your past, your present, and your promise. Now, to begin, we go back to the very beginning of the story in Genesis chapter 1. So if you have a Bible, pick it up. Let's turn over to Genesis 1. In Genesis 1, the Spirit of God is hovering over the surface of the deep. God calls out, let there be light, and light comes forth. And then in Genesis 1 verse 4, it says that God saw the light that he had called forth, and he sees that it is Good. Goodness radiating forth from God at the conclusion of each successive day of creation. God declares, it is good. God endorses the day's work with his divine approval. And as we scroll ahead in Genesis chapter 1, God blesses. And it says specifically that God blessed the birds of the, the sky and the fish of the sea in verse 22. And on the sixth day... God creates the culmination of this creation, humankind, women and men made in the image of God. Look at me in verse 27. It says, so God created humankind in his image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. Verse 28, God blessed them and God said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the air and over every living thing that moves upon the earth. God blessed them, the people made in his image, which is every single person, and then gives them a task. Now, we will talk about the blessing of work. Work is not a part of the the curse or the fall that comes later in Genesis 3. Work is inherent to being made in the image of God. This tells us a lot of beautiful things about the age to come that we'll get a chance to talk about at some point. But we'll talk about the blessing of work in a future talk. But notice that we work from blessing, not for blessing. God delights in us. We are made in his image and he blesses us. And this is the foundational story of the entire Bible. Blessing is our past. 
God, in blessing those made in his image, creates covenant partners who will help him steward his creation. He invites us into what he's doing in the world. He binds his life to his imago Dei, those made in his image, with his words of rejoicing, the gifts of his provision, as we'll see in Genesis 2. There are trees that are good for food. There are trees that are just nice to look at. And ultimately, he blesses us with his presence, with relationship as God walks in the garden in the cool of the evening. And, and the Apostle Paul moves this uh, blessing from the past and begins to describe how this blessing, this foundational blessing, persists on into our present because of the work of Jesus. And we'll see that in just a moment. But the, at the end of Luke's gospel, in Luke chapter 24, Jesus has ascended, he's risen from the dead. And, and before his ascension, he's been meeting with his disciples. And there's this really beautiful picture. Jesus will just gather with them and share meals with them. Jesus, risen from the dead, is just sitting down to the table with his friends and teaching them and, and, and instructing them towards the things that are to come, towards the mission that he's going to give them. And Luke 24 describes this brief moment where Jesus is, is moves from being the resurrected Lord to being the ascended Lord. And over the past several weeks, we've, just, we've celebrated this notion of the ascension, that Jesus is at the right hand of the Father right now, that, that last week we celebrated Pentecost, that he has poured out his spirit, that God's temple is not a building made with human hands, but it is our very hearts. And as Jesus ascends, he is reigning and ruling right now. And it is our call and our vocation as his people to bring his victory that he has won once and for all on the cross to bear in every corner of our world. But in Luke 24, as Jesus ascends to the Father, there's this really beautiful and succinct picture. It says that as Jesus is taken from the disciples, as he goes up into heaven and out of their sight, the last thing that the disciples see, the last posture that the disciples see Jesus in and towards them before he is taken from their sight is a posture of blessing. It says that Jesus lifting his hands and blessing them was taken up into heaven. This is Jesus' fundamental disposition towards us, a, a posture of blessing. And Paul picks up on this, that this blessing pervades every aspect of our lives. And in Ephesians chapter 1, Paul writes, he says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. Paul is describing our present reality describing this interchange where Jesus is lifted up into heaven, blessing us and pouring out his spirit to, to bring blessing upon blessing. Now, obviously, for many of us, in the midst of a global pandemic and a culture that is deeply polemicized, where racial divisions have been exposed, and though it's, it's so important that I stress this, this is, not, this is nothing new and really is just something old that keeps continually uh, getting shoved under the, the, the carpet but is now being brought to the fore and is our call to seize this moment. But how, the question remains, how can Paul say that we have every spiritual blessing right now? And you may be thinking about your own situation. 
How can Paul say that I have every spiritual blessing when I've lost my job? Or, or I'm, a, I'm a person of color, especially a black person right now, who feels constantly judged, threatened, or ignored, and, and misunderstood in our culture. Uh, how can I have every spiritual blessing in Christ when there's strain in my most important relationships? And I feel a lack of, of purpose and connectedness to other people. How can I have every spiritual blessing in Christ when I've been trying for such a long time to meet someone who, who could be a companion, a spouse for a lifetime? How can I have every spiritual blessing in Christ when I feel depressed and anxious? How can you honestly say from where you sit in your living room that I am blessed right now? Well, this is where I think we have to be very careful not to spiritualize away spiritual blessings. Now listen, Paul is not saying that we have spiritual blessings, thus all of our earthly circumstances and aches are minimized, or, or the hope that we have in the future uh, somehow makes the present not matter as much. Though we should always try, and this is, this is a part of the Spirit's work in us, this is a part of what God does graciously in us, to reframe our present in light of eternity. God is not only the God of the future tense, God is God of the present tense. Dallas Willard, in reflecting on what it means to be blessed by God, what it means to be blessed in the way of Jesus, writes, The secret of the blessed life is God with us. When God is with us, we live and experience a life without lack. This is just as Psalm 23 describes, I shall not want. What an interesting possibility, he says. But of course, if God is really going to be with us, we should expect that our lives will be extremely different from ordinary human life. But God really being with us works like the manna worked for the Israelites in the desert, one day at a time. We have enough until the next day. If we can live one day with Jesus, we can lead every day with him, each one as it comes. And Willard's image here is so powerful because it exists at the intersection of our deepest questions about our own lives and those we love. And really that question boils down to this, am I going to be okay? And our need in, in the midst of that question, am I going to be okay? Uh, that expresses not only a spiritual longing, a, a spiritual hunger, but also a physical longing. Our need for physical provision. We need daily bread. We need a safe place to live. We need clothes on our back. We need people around us who love us and care for us. Now, Jesus' greatest teachings on blessings are given in the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew chapter 5 and the Sermon on the Plain in Luke chapter 6. And there he pronounces God's blessings, saying things like, Blessed are the poor in spirit. For theirs is the kingdom of heaven, or in Luke's version, blessed are the poor, for theirs is the kingdom. And Jesus' blessings are bestowed upon those who seem, from every cultural lens that we are given, decidedly not blessed. But the blessings of Jesus work in a completely different economy. And we're going to be delving more into these blessings in the coming weeks. But in the present, Jesus shows us his blessings through these four buckets, and I want to bring those back up again, through presence, he's with us, he is walking with us, he says in Acts, and I will be with you, to even to the end of the age, this is Jesus' promise, 
This is, you know, when I say, what is the fundamental definition of the scriptures? What are they trying to show us? It is this notion of God with us. Jesus is with us through people. He surrounds us with his body, with people to walk with us and care for us. This is who we're called to be as the church. He's with us through provision. He teaches us to pray, Lord, give us this day our daily bread. And he invites us into a life of praise, that we are fully ourselves, that we are fully blessed when we are blessing God. And Paul, who was no stranger to suffering in the present circumstances in his life, reflects reflects on his own suffering in 2 Corinthians. He writes, Five times I have received from the Jews the forty lashes minus one. This was a form of corporal punishment in Paul's day. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I received a stoning. Three times I was shipwrecked. For a night and a day I was adrift at sea on frequent journeys in danger from rivers, danger from bandits, danger from my own people, danger from the Gentiles, danger in the city, danger in the wilderness, danger at sea, danger from false brothers and sisters, in toil and in hardship, through many a sleepless night, hungry and thirsty, often without food, cold and naked, and besides all of these other things, under daily pressure and because of my anxiety for all the church. Ecclesia, Paul was no stranger to suffering. And in that same letter, as he reflects on his circumstances in 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 8, he says this, And God is able, God is able to provide you with every blessing in abundance, so that by always having enough of everything, you may share abundantly in every good work. Are you hurting? Are you lost? Are you confused? Are you alone? Can I just invite you to see that Jesus is meeting you there with his transforming presence? He is drawing near like the manna from heaven in the wilderness day by day, walking with us, shaping us to bear the fruit of his spirit. He has bound his life with us. His words, his gifts, his presence, blessing is our present reality. Jesus has blessed us. The the image of him and his posture of blessing us as he's taken up from heaven is not a distant memory. It's not a faded photograph. It is our present reality. It is the lens through which he is inviting us to see the entire world. And Paul gives us such a powerful paradigm of this as he describes his really awful circumstances. And yet, not, not in some like, sort of uh, minimizing, not, not in a way of denying his circumstances, but because Jesus has drawn near to him in each and every one of those places, Paul can say that he has given us abundantly every blessing that we will ever need. And friends, I, I just want to bear witness. And this is, is one of those times where as a pastor, I just speak so faithfully. Because I can't make you see this. I can't draw a line A to B to C rationally. All I can do is bear witness by faith that Jesus is with us in these moments. Blessing is our past. Blessing is our present. And blessing is our promise, our destiny, our future. The same God who blessed us in the beginning blesses us in the present. And he will not cease to bless us through all of eternity. Revelation 5 is a picture of a now and not yet reality. 
John sees a picture into the heavenly worship service that is going on around the throne of God, the Father, around the throne of Jesus that is going on right now. Revelation 5 verse 12 says, Singing with full voice, those assembled in this heavenly worship service sang, Worthy is the Lamb that was slaughtered to receive power and wealth and wisdom and might and honor and glory and blessing. In the place where God's reign is fully present, this vision that John sees in Revelation chapter 5, fully realized, look at this, we are most fully ourselves by returning the blessings of God, by blessing God, singing with full voice. In Revelation 7, we get another picture of this kind of worship. There's a vision of people from every tongue, every tribe, every nation, united, not under some cheap diversity project or tolerance, but united under the rule and reign of our sacrificial lamb, King Jesus. Look at Revelation 7, beginning in verse 9. After this, I looked, and there was a great multitude, and no one could count them, from every nation, from all tribes and peoples and languages, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, robed in white with palm branches in their hand. They cried out in a loud voice, saying, Salvation belongs to our God, who is seated on the throne, and to the Lamb. And to all, and all the angels stood around the throne, and around the elders, and the four living creatures, and they fell on their faces before the throne, and worshipped God, singing, Amen. Blessing and glory and wisdom and thanksgiving and honor and power and might be to our God forever and ever. Amen. The mosaic beauty of the kingdom of God invites us to live into the future in our present realities right now. Our world, as we've seen from the news so viscerally over the past several weeks, is longing for this kind of unity. But there is no way to the kingdom without the king, the slaughtered lamb who lays down his life for the world. We are called, church, to be a witness of this coming day from every tongue and tribe and nation. We are called to live into this blessedness in our present realities that will be fully ours in the future. And John writes later on in Revelation at the culmination of the Library of Scriptures. John sees this vision of this incredible blessedness that awaits us. This incredible blessedness that has been secured by Jesus on the cross. On a, on a hill outside of Jerusalem 2,000 years ago, he won for us this very day that John sees in our future. Look at what he writes. Verse, uh, Revelation chapter 21, beginning in verse 1. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, See, the home of God is among mortals. He will dwell with them as their God. They will be his peoples and God himself will be with them. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. Death will be no more. Mourning and crying and pain will be no more for the first things have passed away. Jesus' presence, 
his provision for eternal life, a people to live alongside. God himself will be there among us for all of eternity. And praise expressing itself in creativity, in work, and in play and song forevermore. This is the blessing that we are being invited into. Friends, blessing is our past. Blessing is our present. And blessing is our promise forevermore. God has bound himself to us with his blessings, through his words, his gifts, and ultimately through his presence. His blessings bring life, peace, and the knowledge that we are never alone. If you feel like you're living outside of this blessing today, Jesus is waiting. He's waiting with open arms, extended, saying, come, come receive my life. Maybe you've tried to earn the world's blessings and you've found it exhausting. Maybe, maybe you're just confused and don't understand why things are the way they are. Jesus has come. My yoke is easy. My burden is light. And as Paul says in Galatians, Jesus became, he became a curse for us in order that we might know the incomparable blessings of God. You see, Jesus expresses God's heart, his disposition towards the world to bless the world with his very life given to us, his blood shed on a cross. Blessing is your past. And perhaps this morning, you need to make it your present and your promise, your future. Jesus is inviting us today. Will we lay hold of the blessings that he has before us by laying down our lives and saying, Lord, not my way, but your way. Not my will, but your will. Jesus, we thank you for this teaching. We thank you for this disposition, God. And we ask that you would continually show us your abundant blessings that have provided for everything that we could ever ache for, everything that we could ever need. Lord, we thank you and we praise you. It's in your name. Amen. Thank you for listening to our podcast. For more information, please visit www.ecclesianj.com.